As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster. There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry. Your palms damp. Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's time to go home. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Halloween Kills, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Andy Matichak, Will Patton, Kyle Richards, Nancy Stevens, Charles Cyphers, Dylan Arnold, Thomas Mann, James Jude, Courtney, Nick Castle, and Anthony Michael Hall. Directed by David Gordon Green, released in 2021 on a budget of $10 million in theaters and on Peacock simultaneously if you're a paid Peacock subscriber in either of their tiers. You got to see it, but this movie also grossed $55.9 million at the box office in its worldwide open, Brian. It's even bigger than the last one, amazingly. We had to wait for it, but it's finally here. Last movie made $255 million at theaters, so they held off on it last year when so many people were still not really able to go to a theater without it being a compromised situation. And then they made the call to go simultaneous release here and should be noted Universal is one of the producers and distributors for all these Halloween films. So thus the Peacock connection as it were, but uh, just to start off with thoughts on that dual release. And uh, I watched it on Peacock. How did you uh, consume the Halloween kills? Yeah, I also watched it on Peacock. Um, it's just more convenient for me. It's hard to with, with, you know, three kids to get out and away to see a movie, especially on an opening weekend. Uh, so I was, I'm happy with it. And I'm quite surprised how well it did at the box office, considering the fact that if you had Peacock, you could watch it for free, basically. Right. Um, so I'm a fan of the dual release thing. I know a lot of people aren't. I know the studios probably aren't as much because they're not making as much money. I assume that they're getting a chunk of change from whatever network streaming network that they're doing the deal with. That probably makes up for some of it. But I can see the argument that it takes away from the box office. And, and I'm sure it does. I don't know if we'll ever know what the numbers are on how many people streamed it on Peacock the opening weekend, but I, I'd bet it's a quite a large number. Oh yeah. I mean, Peacock, depending on which day you ask them, they'll tell you how many paid subscribers they've got going there, but it's quite a bit and we'll never know the true, you know, release numbers. They you know, always fudge all of that kind of stuff. I think the fact though, that they're throwing out the the $55.9 million thing is because they said, Hey, 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 this was a hit. It can happen for the right thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we could have a whole show on, on, you know, the release factor and how much has changed in the last couple of years. I do think though, this is, you know, proof of concept that that can work because I think the reason people went out to see this is if people are going to go to a theater, it's got to be for something that's an event film. It's something that's going to drag people out. And I mean, going to see a good horror movie in a movie theater is something American audiences like. And, you know, for all of its, uh, I don't know, quirkiness and maybe divisiveness of that last movie, people went out and saw that man in droves and they bought it up. And, you yeah. know, it's it's 2018's Halloween has definitely 
made a mark um, in it, the franchise for sure, but also for the the studio and things. It's the most profitable one ever um, out of all of them. And, you know, it set a lot of records for, you know, having female leads, female leads over 40, carrying a movie, make that kind of money. I mean, it's it's something you don't see a lot of. We, you know, we've talked about it on other shows that adult-led dramas – aren't what movie studios put a lot of money in. And this is just another example of, it's kind of like the Patriot way. It annoys you that it works when it does, but the Blumhouse <laughs> formula works, man. They don't spend a lot of money in the front end. That's why everybody's an executive producer on the back end. They all make money on the other side of it. And uh, it works, you know, and and this one definitely was something I think a lot of people wanted to get out to. There hasn't, they haven't really been a, a great horror movie thrown into a theater in a while. So I think that the audience is built in for it anyway. This franchise has a huge audience. We know that. And people were hungry for it. And then they went and they, I guess, more or less got what they wanted out of it. I'd be curious to see what the second weekend looks like, you know, because they did drop it in the middle of the month. So we'll we'll see how how it does before you know, I mean, it came out a week after the big James Bond you know, splash and the, goodness gracious, talking about a movie people waited on forever. And uh, the fact that it did that well said a lot. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see uh, how it goes. Uh, you've got David Gordon Green coming back on this one. Uh, Danny McBride comes back to write it with him. They bring in Scott Teams, who's a guy who writes for a lot of horror stuff and has got a lot of new things getting produced. Um, he did a lot of the script revisions. They shot this here in North Carolina, where I live, uh, not in Charlotte, but uh, on the other side of the state in Wilmington in 2019. And they're going to start shooting Halloween ends down there in January. And it, initially, they were going to shoot them back to back, but apparently the schedule was just too yeah. much for everybody. And wow. th- they say that. I'm going to tell you right now, they wanted to see what people reacted to here so they could finish the script because the script's not done yet. I think that had to do with it. I also think that, uh, you know, everything else going on had a lot to do with it as well. Uh, I think this one did so well too, because people were expecting it last year. Uh, COVID, you know, reared its ugly head and didn't allow that to happen. And uh, so I think people were itching for it. They'd heard all about it for so long, right? Oh, we're going to do two more parts. Cause we didn't know when Halloween 2018 came out, what the plan was, right? We thought, this could end it. And then they came out and said, Hey, we're going to do two more films. And the first one, the first one's going to come out in 2020. The next one will come out in 2022, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people who were anxious about it. I know you and I both were, we were both excited when we heard the news that they're going to continue what they were doing. Cause they could have very well ended it uh, where they did in the last movie. Now they did tease that he was going to get free with the, the, firemen going through but they could have said it didn't happen and, and be done so i'm happy about that and uh, we'll see where it goes i'm very curious to see where they go from here and we'll talk about the end and, and how that plays into where they have to go from here and things like that but it's it's gonna be interesting yeah and indeed man i mean like i say we we both uh well, we talked about it on the last show. People can go listen to it. Uh, when I first saw 2018's Halloween, was not a real big fan of it, but have revisited it several times before we got to recording on it, talking with you about it. I you know, saw a few things I didn't see, and I, I since then have, I guess you could say I've softened on it a lot. I've, it's more of just I just kind of accepted it for what it is and just, eh, you know, went with it. And, you know, at this point, um, I, I don't know if I'm just getting older and soft in my old age or, you know, I've been watching these movies for so long now that I'm like, Eh, you know, for, I've lived with Halloween in my life for 30 something years. I just kind of take it for what it is. And I can always watch the ones I want to watch if I don't want to watch, you know, the new strain. And 
Mm-hmm. I'm down for it. I think I'm more interested in the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is legitimately interested in doing these movies like this. She's and for one, she's she's got a real say in how they go, um, because there, there's a great clip that's rolling around YouTube. And it, it was from like 2012 or something. But I saw it. It popped up in the feed, you know, leading up to this because, uh, you know, I'm watching soundtrack you know screens and stuff like that trying to get into this movie and it's her talking about like how she originally pitched h2o and how that kind of unraveled and all this stuff and it's funny you can go out there and look it up folks i won't say any more about it uh but it's funny because jamie lee curtis sort of has two modes when she's not acting she's either big or really big and i mean she's just a big personality <laughs> and so she's funny i mean she's 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 one of our great comedians and probably not appreciated for that enough um i had a chance to do a guest spot on tis the podcast talking about the original Halloween with that crew. And I, I said in that, that Jamie Lee Curtis will go down as like the greatest screen queen of all time, but that's really undercutting her comedic genius. She's actually really, really funny. And so if you see her in her comedies, that's pretty much how she is as a, as a personality. But anyway, she tells a great story about it, but yeah, she had a lot more to say in this one and a lot more to do with it. And I think what, what Jason Blum and, and David Gordon Green and Danny McBride really pitched her on was that we have a vision, we have an idea for something, and where do you fit in that? And then she said, well, here's where I'd like to see it go. And they said, okay, we like it. And then, you know, they even got Carpenter to weigh in, which I, I get a kick out every time somebody says, like, John Carpenter gave him notes. I'm like, his notes were like, here's where to mail, the, here's my Venmo where the check is. <laughs> right. He don't care. He does not care uh, about the story. But it was cool that he came back with his son and with Daniel Davies again to do the soundtrack. We both were big fans of that last soundtrack. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about the music in this one, too. But, uh, you know, yeah, they, they pretty much got the band back together to do it again. And with the intent of like, OK, we're going to do two, we're going to do three. So it's sort of George Lucas always says, I had 12 Star Wars movies in my head. Bull, no, you didn't. He yeah. had hit the one that he could make. And then after that hit and was the phenomenon that it was. They said, okay, go ahead and get ready for the next two. And so he, you know, he did. And this is kind of like the same thing. It's, or better yet, if we go back to, uh, you know, the beginning of the year, Brian, we did a favorite trilogy of yours, Back to the Future. And when they made that first one, they had no plans for anything beyond that, except in case it was a hit. And then they came up with two and three basically at the same time. And this one's not all that different from that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think it's an interesting perspective because I know when we did Halloween, 2018 you had messaged me when you saw it just railing on the movie right and and i had told you wow i i really actually enjoyed this movie and it's the difference between someone who's been invested in this franchise for as long as you have and someone who um really enjoys a good horror movie but doesn't have a vested interest in the how michael myers is portrayed here and there and just going with it right and that's what i did i just when i went in i i just went with it and said okay let's see where it takes me and i had a whole different perspective on the movie than you and i think um i've i've looked at a couple other reviews out there of this movie when it came out and uh, it's interesting to see the differences between those people who are like me who just go for the ride and and, and watch it and those who are like huge you know michael myers fans and their reactions to it and so i'm curious to see where you land on this one because i think i don't know if we'll be as as different on this one as we were on the last one yeah actually i took i took advice from you after that last one because i talked about on the show that i i did what i thought the producers and the writers wanted me to do i watched the 1978 halloween and then i went and i saw halloween 2018 
And I did that again, you know, as part of our review this time, um, I, I did rewatch the 78 one, but it was several days before this movie came out. And I did that for the, tis the podcast thing. I did not watch Halloween 2018 again. I haven't seen that movie in probably a year. Um, and I own it. Um, and I'll probably will rewatch it at some point this, this, you know, spooky season. Cause we're recording this like right before it releases folks. This is one of the tightest turns around rooms we'll ever do. But I purposely went into it. I'm like, I'm doing, I'm doing like, Brian, I've seen like the trailer twice. And other than listening to the music to just kind of get in the mood, I'm sort of ignoring everything else. It was hard to ignore this movie because it was all over TV forever. Um, yeah. And, and tons of ads, particularly the Sunday night NBC football games. It was on that one for weeks, but I, you know, I, I just kind of said, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to go in as cold as possible. Like I didn't read, spoilers i heard about this thing on reddit i was like man nah, don't want to know like i just i <laughs> you people uh, people are gonna get killed that's all i know i just want to go see just what's you know what's gonna happen and um i'll tell you how i watch this so i know this is doing the premiere thing on peacock and i'm not ever really sure like is that coming out at midnight like what are they doing because they drop them at different times well i went to bed thursday night with no intention i was like i'll just watch this friday night when i get home from work and for some reason i woke up about 12 30 and couldn't go back to sleep. So I did what everyone else does. I picked up my phone, huge mistake. And I started scrolling through Twitter and people are just like, Oh, it's out. It's out. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I got up and I said, you know what? I'll just watch the first like five minutes. And if I get hooked, I'll stay up and finish this. And I sat on the couch until two 30 watching this. My wife got up watching the last five minutes of it. She's like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I got invested in it. And so I stayed up really late, much later than I should have and watched this. Did go back to bed, got up the next day. I watched it again Friday night with, uh, with my wife uh, to get a second viewing in on it. But I, I, I didn't take a note or anything the first time I watched it, Brian. I literally sat on the couch with a glass of water, and I just watched it in my dark living room. And, uh, you know, we'll see how, how it reacted from there. But I did go into it much more like I think the way you, you would have, which is just go in cold and see what they do. Yeah, I mean, it's the approach I do. And, and – if you know me long enough on these podcasts, you know, I do not take notes. I just remember what I remember and go with it from there. And because I don't want to, I don't want to hassle myself with writing things down while I'm and miss something that happens on the screen. I watched it last night about uh, 1130 at night. Uh, my wife and I, we got home from my mom's house. I put it on and uh, we sat there and we watched the whole thing together and just went with it and had a good time with it and then went to bed. And so that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I really think that's the best way to go into something like this for me is to just go in cold. I don't want read any of the spoilers. I don't watch any of the trailers. Um, I'm lucky enough to not have to deal with the TV stuff because I have Hulu and they only show the same four ads all the time anyway. <laughs> so nice. I think I'm good there. And uh, yeah, I went in basically blind on this completely. So I thought that was the best approach for me. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can see that uh, totally. And I, I didn't write anything down. Like I said, the first time, second time through, I just kept my phone there and the notes up and I would just kind of jot down sort of scene to scene just so I could remember and we could walk through it. But I, I'm with you. I, I just wanted to make sure I saw it. And I'll, I'll say watching it the second time, because I was trying to be quiet Thursday night. So I had the volume down really low. So I missed a lot of dialogue <laughs> and I just assumed like every other, most every other good horror movie, I don't really need to know what they're saying anyway. I kind of figured it out, you know, and, and as it turned out, I didn't, but having heard it, 
again, I was like, oh, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Oh, that's a good line. So I, you know, it, it was good to be able to hear it <laughs> with, with volume, um, you sure. know, as, as we get into it. Well, I guess we need to do a plot summary here. Uh, so spoilers hot. I mean, obviously, if you haven't sat down and watched this or plan to watch it, we're going to spoil it all. So pause now and come back later or be prepared uh, because here is what happens in Halloween Kills. Michael Myers escapes the fiery trap left for him by Laurie Strode, her daughter Karen, and her granddaughter Allison, and he goes on another killing spree through Haddonfield, and that's put it mildly, uh, ultimately making his way back to his childhood home, which is now occupied by a hilarious couple that we're going to talk about. Meanwhile, Laurie, Karen, and Allison arrive at a hospital in time for Laurie to receive surgery for her stab wounds. It's the fastest surgery ever because this night will never end. I'm, I'm never sure what time it is, but we'll get into that. We learned that Officer Hawkins also survived that horrendous neck stab and was rescued by Allison's ex, Cameron, on his walk home. We even see locals at a bar recalling the events of 40 years ago, led in celebration by Tommy Doyle, who toasts his childhood friend Lindsay Wallace, back played again by Kyle Richards, the original Lindsay, as well as Nurse Marion Chambers, played by Nancy Stevens, and Cameron's dad, uh, Lonnie Elam. Alerted that Michael is now back in town, a mob forms and descends upon the hospital, chasing another escaped convict. Remember the weird guy with the umbrella from the other movie? He's back. Uh, mistaking him for Michael Myers because he's only a foot shorter. <laughs> anyway, Karen tries to uh, keep the mob at bay to no avail, and he ends up jumping out of a window uh, while being pursued. And Allison takes off with Cameron and Lonnie to hunt for Michael, thinking he will head back to his childhood home. Along his path there, Michael takes out Nurse Chambers, uh, injures Lindsay, and kills a bunch of other folks before finally arriving home and killing the new inhabitants. Karen enlists Tommy's help to find Allison, where, uh, while Laurie reminisces with Hawkins in a shared hospital room and talks about how Michael becomes something more than human each time he kills. Cameron, Lonnie, and Allison go to confront Michael, resulting in Lonnie's death and a vicious attack on Cameron and Allison. And after he dispatches with Cameron, much to the audience's cheer, uh, Michael goes to finish off Allison, but Karen stabs him with a big pitchfork and then runs off with his mask, enticing him to chase after her. She leads Michael to an awaiting mom that puts the beat down on him where Karen stabs him and leaves, but uh, Michael hulks up or something and uh, the entire mob gets slaughtered, including Tommy and a retired Sheriff Brackett who showed up to uh, quote a line and you know get murdered. While the MTs attend to her daughter, Karen decides to go back in the Myers house for reasons, an active crime scene, mind you. And following a fresh blood trail, uh, she goes up to the window of Michael's sister's uh, room, or what was his sister's room. He appears and kills her as she stares out the window, and Laurie stares out her hospital window into the darkness, awaiting a final chapter a year from now. And that is the plot summary for Halloween Kills, Brian. It is. Um, <laughs> so much to talk about on this one. I mean, a lot yeah. of characters returning, and really... You would think that the three Strode family members would be your main characters in this movie, but they like Lori's not really a big character in this movie, which is interesting. She's there, she has some important scenes, but she's not the main character. Uh, it's interesting, it's really interesting. And you talk about the poor old uh, mental hospital patient, god man, I know, the, right. Yeah. Oh, wow that was an interesting one it has such an interesting opening and we talked about on the last show how they had this grand idea that they were going to reshoot the ending of the original halloween in the beginning of the 2018 one and they were going to show michael get away and kill loomis and john carpenter talked them out of that and said you know when you start doing that kind of stuff guys like if, if you step on all the sequel history that's one thing 
when you start stepping on the original one, now you're messing with people and you're going to take them out of the movie. And it's probably the smartest thing Carpenter's ever said because they were right. They shouldn't have done that. But they decided this time, heck with it. We're going for broke. And they build in this this tag on because the, the movie opens up with Cameron finding Hawkins laying in the you know pool of blood or whatever and rescuing him. And we flash back to 1978 and we get basically what is the police chasing Michael Myers after he's been shot off the balcony um, back to his childhood home. And that's going to be the recurring theme is it's Michael's going back home. He, he, he creeps, he kills and he goes back home. And I got to say, man, that they nailed the look of that 78 flick completely. Like every, the way everybody was dressed, the, the way it like the grainy way it looks, the mask, the guy they got to play Myers, who's different than the the other two that are doing it this time. Um, I really, really liked most of it right into the very end. I got questions about what happens there at the end, but I thought it was a pretty cool idea. Um, and I gambled for sure to start a movie off like this. I loved it. I thought it was way well done and super cool to see them go back in time and do this kind of, uh, a, a reminisce of what happened is from a different point of view, right? From Hawkins' point of view, really. Yeah, uh, it was the police, but it was mostly Hawkins and his partner and everything else, and and the events that led up to what happened with with uh, his partner was very interesting. I I don't remember enough of the first one to know if that was even part of that. I don't None of those guys yeah. were even there, man. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah there was really one cool. cop. It was it was bracket. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool to see that. And then, of course, with the well done on the Loomis, I imagine CGI that they did on that. No, that's actually that's just prosthetics. I looked that up because that guy's wow. name is Tom Jones Jr. And they he just kind of had the same build and they just did a prosthetic face. And then they got they got a voice actor to loop it. And I was like, man, it's way better than the one they got in H2O. That was awesome. That was way good then. I, I'm impressed because that was really cool to see them bring that in and, and just seeing Loomis back on the on the screen like that and really, really cool touch. And then, of course, the arresting of Michael Myers at the very end there was pretty cool too. And I think this what you're talking about is where he uh, swaps the gun. Yeah, well, that comes a little bit later. What, what I was talking about was there's this and, – and I really caught it the second time through. They do this whole thing about – Michael looking out that window is just, it's just kind of the thing he's always done. Like the two cops have a conversation about it. Like one of them was like, I grew up with him and he was this weird kid that always just stared out his sister's window. And that cop five minutes later is staring out that window and he looks like he's in a trance all of a sudden and he looks down and there's the bloody shoe prints of Myers. And that's what he comes yeah. after him. And I, I don't know, like I thought, okay, like they're, they're introducing a supernatural element here that they seem to really want to steer away from the last time. But this movie is a wash in that because Laurie talks about it. Hawkins will talk about it. They all at one point or another kind of talk about this mysterious aura of Michael Myers. And I, you know, I don't know. I, it was, it was different. It wasn't what I expected because I, I had heard that they're going to do a flashback scene. I knew that much and I didn't know any of the details. I said, I don't want to know. Just, just, I'll just see it. And I thought, yeah, I'm with you. I was like, this is awesome. This is great. And when I heard the Loomis voice, I thought, oh, it's just going to be a voice off screen. That's cool. And when the dude ran in, I was like, that's pretty slick right there. That I was, was awesome. impressed. Yeah. And then when they, they do that shot at the end and it's basically the same as the opening of the first movie 
where the kid is just standing there and everybody's just sort of you know frozen. They do the same kind of thing here. The, the thing I took away from it, I just wrote this down in notes. I was like, mm, Hawkins is a lousy shot. And I mean, he can't hit anything. And poor Michael has got his partner with a rope or something. He's strangling him to death. And he's got his necktie, something. And Hawkins goes to shoot him and bless him. He hits his partner in the neck. And, I, it was a like a touching scene, but it, it it just felt so odd because Hawkins like he's chasing after Myers and then he isn't. He goes back in and his partner's like, you just tell him we got him right as he dies in front of him, which is a horrible thing. They shove their uh, message into a, what is otherwise just an entertaining slasher movie. It seems like the weird way to go. That's just how movies are, man. And, and unfortunately, we're going to get that wh- wh- whatever side you're on. But um, I, I didn't mind it, really. Um, I thought it added a little bit to the story and also got us to know why Hawkins is still around. If he actually did shoot his partner, right? Cause right. that would usually be a cause for dismissal. Um, but uh, was it needed? Probably not. Um, the whole mob thing. What well, we can talk about that when that comes, uh, there's a commentary on that on, it could be um, on either side. We don't I, know, but I, I, I could have, I mean, I'll tell you just, if you just wanted to have that scene, like they, they had a Hawkins talk before about like, I was there, I should have shot him when I had the chance, you know, in the yeah. last movie. And I thought I would have loved it if Hawkins just froze up and then the partner got killed and Michael just walked right by him. Yeah. And, and like, I could have bought it for the same thing. And I think it plays the same way without having to have, Oh, look, the corrupt authority. You know, I like, I don't, I don't know. I needed that. I did appreciate the fact though, that even in a small town like this, every cop in three counties descends on the place <laughs> like like it would have if they'd had any money in 1978 they would have had a lot more yeah. people in the movie i i appreciated that and i said this on the to the podcast thing and i didn't say it on any of our other reviews but it's one thing I've, I've come to appreciate about halloween that i think one of the reasons it lasts in in pop culture so much is our pop culture right now is obsessed with true crime and there's a good venn diagram of true crime fans and michael myers halloween fans because the original movie is very much a true crime story and if you think about it, and I think this one plays into that in a lot of ways. So I, I appreciated it. I thought it was good. Like I said, it was just sort of an odd thing to shove into the screen. And I know why it's there. I just thought it was a weird way to do it. Yeah. And and and, and referencing the the piece where he says I should have shot him when I had the chance. That was after they had him surrounded. He was going to go up and shoot him and he, he didn't. Um, an interesting scene all around. I think a super well done section of the movie to bring us back to that and then come right back into where we were. And that I believe once we come back from the 78 is where we see Lori and the girls riding away and the cops coming back and she's screaming, no. And then we get to see yeah. Michael and his yeah. emergence. Yeah. He gets <laughs> that, away from the car. We, wow. We gotta, yeah. We, we got to talk about the, the opening though, because we get, we get what, what the Halloween movies do, particularly the sequels is we have the opening thing and then the, the screen. Right. And this time we get multiple pumpkins on fire. Um, which is kind of cool, sort of floating around. And it's like this real minimalist theme. It's just a piano and like a little TikTok in the background. And I thought that that's kind of not what I expected. Like it's quieter. It's, it's bringing it down a little bit. And I don't, I don't know. I thought that was a cool nod uh, that Carpenter and, and his compadres were doing here in the, in the, the score. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really, it was eerie, right? And that's what I think the opening of the original Halloween kind of gave you was that eerie feel. And I think that's harkens back to that. But also, you know, we're in the second chapter. So it's a little slow, slow it down a little bit, get things going. And then maybe we'll see in the next movie, it comes in a little more heavy and loud as we 
bring it to a crescendo but uh, i liked how they yeah. did it i love the love the little animations they do i love the fact that they do all the credits and stuff at the beginning of the movies like they used to in the old days and uh, i think it really adds to what halloween is yeah and and we got to talk about uh you know you're bringing it down because speaking of heavy and loud the way mm-hmm. michael myers gets out of that fire <laughs> um well, I just I just remember thinking you and I talked about it in one of the previous Halloween films that it, it, Halloween and Friday the 13th have this funny relationship with each other because there would have never been Friday the 13th if there hadn't been Halloween. But then at some point, Friday the 13th definitely started influencing Halloween, even up to the original part two. Carpenter admits that, that like all the blood that that movie had, we had to do it in, in ours. And I think now like they, you know, they brought back Michael Myers and the first thing, the first Michael Myers was just, he was just sly, right? He was like a cat. He just kind of creeped in and out. He stabbed you. And then that was it, you know, in the second one, they, in the, in the last one, like he started out doing sort of subtle things. And then he like would punch people a hundred thousand times in the face, you know, <laughs> to kill them. And it's just these overkills like the Rob zombie overkill. Right. And this movie just cranks that to 11. Like, they're like, no, it's it's going to be complete action, gore fest, Jason, hold my beer. And it's the way it went down, because the way he dispatches with those firefighters, it got I hate that it got blown in the first trailer that they put out. So I'm like, man, you should have saved that because that shot of him coming out with all that fire dripping down and the way he kills all of them was pretty amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, like. They really went to say, hey, Rob Zombie, hold my beer. You want gore? We're giving it to you in this movie because holy crap, was there a lot of just gruesome, gruesome deaths. Yes. The, the poor old lady who gets it with the light, the, mm-hmm. the fluorescent light. Oh, my God. Like, Yeah, and oh, to watch her husband just get stabbed over and over, like pinned to the table, and he's like, no, that's not the right place. He just keeps just stabbing the dude. But the fireman, man, like he takes that that – you know, pick axe thing and, you know, uh, unfaces a couple of them, picks one up, takes the jaws of life and cups one of them in half. I mean, it's, it is a gory, gory bad, movie. <laughs> yeah. But, but, it, but you know what? And I'm sitting there going like, this is awesome from the perspective of like a horror fan. Who's like, you know yeah. what? Give it to me. You know, like the, the sequel, I'm here for this. I need this. And, I'll, I don't need it necessarily, but like I want, if you're going to, if you're going to tell me like, okay, it's called Halloween kills. I need to see what that means. And what that means is Michael Myers kills a lot of people like <laughs> uh, in, in this anthology, in this timeline, if you will, he killed three people once. And then 40 years later, he kills what a dozen or so. I, I didn't do an official count, but it's got to be in the thirties. I mean, he oh. kills so many people in this movie. I would say and more than that. Yeah. I mean, it is it is a lot of carnage, and uh, I mean, it's almost video game ish. You know, in a way, it's just you're just <laughs> mowing through people, man. It's Mortal Kombat. Yeah. It was it was uh, it was a lot, but I think you're showing what Michael Myers has become. Like he, he is a brutal killer and it's almost a game for him at this point. And what I think is interesting with this movie in particular is in the last couple, it's really focused on Laurie Strode, right? Laurie Strode is his victim in this one. It didn't matter. He just went after whoever it almost became, uh, I'm going to certain places. And if you're there, you're going to die. Right. And well, you, you, you brought that up and we talked about that and disagreed about it last movie that you think like her and Michael are on this collision course that he's connected to her. And she says that in this movie and Hawkins says, it ain't you. 
it's just him. He's just going home. Cause all that yeah. thing is, is he was a six year old boy. I wrote it down. He's a six year old boy with the strength of a man and the mind of an animal. And the only thing that's changed is he's gotten older is that all he does is think, you know, he looks out that window and they think, you know, what is he looking at? Cause Loomis used to talk about that. He just stare into space with nothing. And Hawkins has this great bit about he ain't looking at nothing. He's looking at himself and he just comes right back to center and, all Michael Myers, the entity that he is, is he just goes back to that window and it just resets him. And I don't know, it's it's weird to think about Michael Myers as a wireless charger, but that's kind of what is it's portrayed in this movie. And, and you talked about it too, how Jamie Lee Curtis is barely in this. That's a heck of a gamble because they are selling this movie on the fact that this is the Laurie Strode driven trilogy. And not unlike the original Halloween two, she's barely in it though. She gets the entire third act. So that's not really true. She has a big arc in that movie, but she's not in this movie. And she, and I'll be honest with you, Brian, if, if she hadn't woken up at the very last five minutes, I don't know that I would have missed her in any of the scenes she was in. She's not important to the plot this time. No, she really isn't uh, at all. And I think that's why they had her with the big wound and in the hospital was to kind of keep her out of the plot. This is like the sequel where someone else gets the the uh, the lead role. And in this case, it's going to be the three who survived with Laurie Strode and then the two girls, right? The, the daughter and the granddaughter. Yeah. Those are the people who are leading this movie. And Rightly so. I think it was a really good choice. It, it allows for Lori's character to kind of take a back seat, as we know that coming up in the final, it's going to come down to her and Michael and probably Hawkins or whoever as that final piece. He's dispatched everyone else. Almost literally. Yeah. yeah there's, right. there's really nobody. Left. Well, you know, the, the other thing this movie wants to do is it wants to have all these nods to all these characters that you know and love for for whatever and you know and love them because they all appeared in other sequels as other people and things like that but you know what we're gonna we're gonna do what carpenter's original idea was you know was what would a town that had this slaughter look like 10 years later this was what was supposed to be his version of halloween 4 right and you know they didn't go with it but the, it is the idea of like what if what would it be like if this town had been haunted by this for 40 years the only problem with it and i'll say this now is that the only people haunted by it are like Tommy <laughs> and whoever he and can drink group. with. Yeah. yeah. That small group of people, which makes sense. But on the other hand, it, I think it, I think it would have sold me more on the mob part. When we get to that part, if it, it was more evident that the rest of the town was just as obsessed with this as he is. I do like the fact that they brought in uh, Kyle Richards. They got her back because she never really left entertainment. I know she does, you know, real uh, or you know, reality TV, quote unquote, uh, now and whatever. But I mean, that's kind of a neat nod. And I'll be honest with you, she's actually really good. She's actually a pretty good actress. So poor Nancy Stevens is really old, but bless her heart, she got back one more time, you know, and and uh, she gets to be killed by Michael Myers yet again uh, in, in a movie. Uh, but you know, you got her back, you got him, and then they bring the Tommy Doyle character back. And you know, the the internet was a flood with, oh, we got to get Paul Rudd from Part Six back. Paul Rudd's making that Marvel money, y'all. He ain't gonna do this. So, but Anthony Michael Hall. He will do your your cheap R movie, um, and you know I I like that nod of that though, the, the, and that's what this movie does is it spends a lot of time on everybody else and on the town and all this. I mean, honestly, this is as much a Hawkins and Tommy Doyle and Karen movie 
as it is anything else, because we mentioned that Allison's part of this. She's really only in the last act too. She barely has anything to do with this. It's mostly the daughter and Hawkins that are dry and, and Doyle who are driving this story from those three points of view. And up through this first act, this movie, much like the last one, man, I'm on, I'm on the ride. I'm on the train. I'm like, yes, this is this. We have gone to crazy town and I'm putting in fifth gear. I'm, I'm there. I, I love it. It's going there. And, and I don't know. I, I just, I, I thought it was, it's an interesting choice again, to just completely veer away from our Laurie Strode character. But like you say, it's probably just because they're setting up the, you know, the mono a mono in the end. Yeah. I mean, it's going to come down to those two in the end, right? I mean, that's just how it's going to be. Whether it, it matters that it's Laurie Strode or not doesn't matter because that's how we've had this whole set up in the end. Let's talk about those characters. You know, let's talk about Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace and the other people there. Uh, what did you think of how they introduced them? I thought that was an interesting way to go about it at like kind of like an open mic type thing. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a talent show thing. And they get Tommy <laughs> up there to like do this monologue on 40 years later. Let's raise a toast to the people who survived. And I was like, way to bring the party down, man. Like everybody was having what? a good time. And then that shit hit the fan. What was that? I thought it was interesting. And, and it just, I think the, the, the interesting most interesting piece is like 40 years later after this big traumatic experience, what would it be like to you? Would you be haunted by it still? And would you, it's almost like he's bragging that he survived, right? I lived, I survived Michael Myers. Is that a coping mechanism for him? That's the interesting thing for me. I thought it was a weird setting. I liked introducing the two new characters, the husband and wife there uh, to kind of like add a little well, comedy into it. Well, they were in the last movie. They just had a scene where they were coming out of their house when he's doing his big stalk stroll, like the big kill in the last oh. movie. That he did. They're in it. That's the same people. And I, I liked that they brought them back out and that they're they're the reverse role, too, because he he's dressed as the doctor. She's dressed as the nurse. But in real life, yep. they have the other role. So, right. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was an interesting scene. And then, of course, uh, they get them all hyped up and going when all of a sudden the news breaks that, you know, killing is going on. And all of a sudden, instantly, they all know it's Michael Myers and they're going after it. And that's when this whole well, mob gets that, put together. That, that's when everybody in this movie begins to read the poster aloud for the audience. <laughs> Evil dies tonight. Over and over. We will hear this just from random voices throughout the the movie evil dies tonight and when the first time somebody said it i was like okay and then the second time it happened i chuckled but the third time i'm like i'm i'm just gonna laugh now every time somebody drops that and it never stopped <laughs> it, it gets louder on and on and on and it's like oh evil dies tonight until it doesn't and i mean it's it was just on and on. It, was, it was so weird i i thought that the way to introduce them, I'll be honest with you. I was like, I mean, there's lots of ways you could do that. I guess the local bar open mic nights away, or maybe they just stayed in touch with each other because <laughs> the trauma linked well, them. I, I would have gone with that. I don't know. The, the way I read it was that they get together every year um, to commemorate the survival. And they've hung out that way ever since. 
And this was just where they were that night. And then he gets up there and decides to tell and remind everybody that he survived Michael Myers and who Michael Myers was and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, the kid in the last movie talked about how like nobody remembers who this is. Nobody cares, you know, because it's it's not that. I mean, 40 years. And he killed three people like in the grand scheme of things. It's not that big of a deal. And he wasn't wrong. And that's sad, but it's also true. And again, I kind of go to that, the the bit that Halloween is a, is a, precursor of our obsession with true crime because it's you know it, it is about well how many people did he kill three because eh, by, by now yeah, yeah exactly like who, who knew any of them right but it's you know i mean they go with the whole like the, i love that the news has become what news is today like they show high school photos of the old actors <laughs> you know we get a scene from halloween too or one of them is dead you know and all this it, and we start bringing everybody back and that's when i realized i was like oh this is going to be the homage movie this is halloween kills the homage because Charles Cyphers, I didn't know he was still with us, is the security guard at the hospital when he hears the <laughs> name Laurie Strode and he's like triggered by it immediately because he remembers his daughter. And, also, and I'm like, holy cow, man. Like, and he's not that old of a person, but 41 years, I guess, is a lot on, on a person. I, I don't know. It just, I, I kept going. I was like, okay, who else are we going to bring back now? like to have some sort of nod to and i i was like well there weren't that many characters left but left and from the first movie so there can't be really anybody else we you know bring in and that's the thing i wanted to ask you about did you ever get a sense that like man there's a lot of freaking people in this movie all of a sudden like the last one was a little bigger than the first one but this one seems like we're in buffy season six now man there's a lot of people on the screen <laughs> there were a ton of people in this movie um i think it's just the reckoning right he's coming back to take care of what he didn't take care of back then he the the three kids survived he, he took care of them this movie they're not around anymore right um you know, he's got a couple people left on his list of people who were there at the time. I don't know. There's a ton of people in this movie. There's a lot of extras. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, just chaos, especially in the hospital. Uh, the hospital scene gets like, why is everyone gathering at the damn hospital? Right. Only a couple of people were missing or hurt. Uh, so why is all of a sudden the whole town in the hospital wondering what's going on? Like, that's not the place I'd go to wonder what's going on. I'd, probably right. go down to the sheriff's office or something or right yeah that, that yes that made no sense to me either i was like how did how did we all arrive at the hospital again i and twice through i i don't know if the explanation is there and that's right i, I understand I'm, a couple of the people yeah. because one was looking for her son right right the guy that got hung on the fence yeah you had the other couple come in and ask you know for certain people that makes all the sense in the world right but why everyone else is there well, yeah, why Tommy leads his gang it. there, I will, I will never know. And and that's where I – and I, I, I'll put a complaint in now. Like The biggest one I'm going to register probably about this movie is the second act of this movie really loses itself in trying to figure out how do we keep this story moving and we balance it and we have our message and we also – keep it interesting the interesting parts of it are the times when they cut away and you see michael mowing through people and it's not mm-hmm. just the carnage that's in it. it's sort of like why is he just killing all these people and and the lonnie character is the one that sort of figures it out is like look he's going here here to here he's just making a straight line to his house and right. i was like oh well that's you know pretty good detective work there professor thank you that was good <laughs> but the, why the rest of this stuff goes on man like i couldn't tell you and i had the same complaint you did i'm like why do we all go to the hospital again? Like, I'm not sure why that happened. It was, uh, yeah. I, I guess, because we needed to, and we needed to know that evil dies tonight. 
I guess I, I'm not really sure. The whole see, the whole chaos in the hospital was just kind of like, oh man, like why are we doing this? Uh, the poor mental patient who, you know, Karen is trying to help uh, escape, and then he ends up jumping to his death because the mob was going to kill him if he didn't. Right, was, but you know what? That, but they undercut the heck out of that, and I got to complain about that because because it's. It, I mean, this movie is shot great. Okay, I mean, it looks amazing. Is Michael Simons the same DP from last time? He's worked with David Gordon Green and Danny McBride on all their shows and stuff. I mean, he knows what he's doing. They shoot this just tragic scene where this guy realizes I, my only choice is to jump, and he jumps, and it's horrendous. And then they cut down to like this <laughs> South Park Kenny death. Of him. And I was like, this is why comedy writers need other people to edit their stuff. Because I'm sure they thought that was funny. But I'm like, but this is kind of the wrong like mode, guys. Like, you gotta like yeah, that was supposed to mean that. something. Cause now now you've undercut it completely there. And Karen, like, I don't understand what they want her to be. Like, is she clairvoyant at some time? Cause she keeps telling everybody, like, hey, he's coming here, he's coming from my mother. And everybody's like, No, he's not, he's not even coming near you. Yeah, Lori is the one who tells her that, that that he's coming here for me. And so she just goes with that narrative the whole time. And when she finally realizes that that's not the case and takes off, it was a little little late there. But um, it was just that whole the hospital bit. I just didn't think it was necessary that we had all that chaos over, you know, Michael Myers when he's nowhere nearby. Yeah, we got we got to talk about the mob thing because that's again that is the theme of this movie is that the mob mentality and we see that manifest a lot of times in I mean it can be manifest physically obviously we we've seen that happen but a lot of times it happens online right people just gang up on something and they just drive somebody literally off of it um, to to because. I don't know. We decide we're mad about it that day or whatever, whichever side of things you're on. And I get what they're trying to do. But again, I'm like, why are you doing that in a vehicle for a slash reflect? Like they just seems like a strange way to push that message. And the fact that, I mean, you pay it off in the way that you want to is like, see what this can do, see the damage it can do. And then you do the South Park Kenny shot. And the next thing we know, (laughs) Karen and Tommy are in the parking lot going like, yeah, that sucked. Okay, let's go and kick some ass. Like, really? Like, it was like, it was whiplashy to me. Yeah. That whole, the whole part, I agreed. It's it's all social commentary. And is it needed? Probably not. Uh, Did it fit the narrative? No, I don't think so. But the whole part that bugs me the most is the fact that when they both realize that it it wasn't him and she's done everything she can to stop him. He does nothing. Then they get together afterwards and then they're just like, Oh, well, right. Let's move along. And yeah. you're like, what the fuck? Like that is not the reaction you should be having right now. You no. should be more concerned with your actions led to this mm-hmm. man's death. Can, can nope. we also talk about how it is no possible way to still October the 31st. All right, because the kind yeah. of surgery Lori has takes hours. Well, we <laughs> it don't was know. Ten o'clock by the time she got there. I you mean, gotta remember that we yeah. don't know what time it was when she was leaving. Right? Mm, it true. could have been six o'clock at night. I mean, it's October; it gets darker mm. sooner. So it could have been six o'clock. Six when they left, it was still light out, and as they were driving, it's turned dark. So I imagine it's six o'clock. That surgery is still going to take a couple, at least three, four hours, if not longer. And that whole surgery scene, gross, didn't need right? that. Yeah, why do <laughs> why do we have to have that in this movie? I don't know. I guess because we needed to just go. If we're going with viscera, we'll just again, Rob Zombie, hold my beer because evil yeah, dies tonight. 
I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, it, to me, it, it seems like time's moving at a snail's pace or they're really fucking fast at sewing her up. And right. Up. Something. <laughs> I, I even in my head started just retconning. I'm like, no, this movie's doing some of that Christopher Nolan shit where it's like, it's all happening at the same time. You don't know when and all that stuff. I was like, nah, these people aren't that smart. I was like, no, nah. yeah. because I mean, at one point somebody picked up a phone and it's clearly like after midnight on the iPhone. And I was like, well, see, even they know, like it's November the 1st. Like this yeah. doesn't count anymore. Like, so I, I don't know. It's just, I, it doesn't matter, but no. I'm having that conversation because again, this second act meanders and goes on. I while, mean, yeah. if, if, if you're going to do the mob thing, I get it, but you could cut 10 to 15 minutes out of that, get to the same point and move us into that third act. And Agreed. it would have been a lot leaner to me, at least. Agreed. I agree with you hundred percent on that. Uh, just, it wasn't needed. And I agree. It, it makes it seem like time is just moving so slow because she's got to get surgical surgery she's got to wake up from the surgery got to be coherent enough to realize what's going on yeah it just moved way too slow for me i agree with you it's a probably a detail we don't need to bustle over but it does it does bug yeah i I would also and i know it why it's there is because you want those two characters in the same room so they could talk but Hawkins having arterial reconstruction, he would be an ICU. (laughs) I don't care what your HMO is. You're not sharing a room with somebody when you have your neck cut open. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Let's talk about the uh, Michael's home where he's going, because this is a real fun one. Uh, We have two gay men uh, now living there, both Mm -hmm. named John, which I find is hilarious. Big John John. and little John. Um, and it's just a fun scene. Like the Big John's upstairs playing Halloween music on a turntable warms my heart. Um, it's just <laughs> real fun. And I didn't think about you with that. I, I was like, yeah. yeah, this is what Brian would be doing. <laughs> so, it was so much fun. Minus um, the smoking weed part, I say. Well, so. you know, whatever. <laughs> I love the I love the introduction of the two characters. I thought it was really well yeah. done. And then they have the fact that uh, the trick or treaters come and. What a great scene, I thought, where they trick him into thinking that they put razor blades in their candy and right? the kids dying all to steal the whole bucket mm-hmm. of candy. And the mm-hmm. reaction of the two is priceless. Like they're like, you asshats. Okay, you- let me tell you whose house this is. And right. then they scare the piss out of the kids. And I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, look, well done. The, the reason that works is because Michael McDonald mad tv alum great comedic actor scott MacArthur, another great comedic actor totally go for it all right and i'll tell you the thing that i thought was was neat about it nobody you don't have to point out that it's two men that it's a gay couple all this Mm -hmm. it's you just they just are what they are and it's funny you know and i I read some things online where, where people are like oh it's just another poor stereotype of the gay man i was like I, I mean, I guess if you take it that way, you can. I thought it was funny. I thought they played it for as normal as anything else. And that's Absolutely. what made it work. And it, and the fact that, the, you know, their deaths are are pretty horrendous, oh, yeah. uh, especially Big John. I mean, he gets stabbed under his arm and he gets his eyes just gouged out. So he gets overkilled. And then the, the little John apparently knows Michael Myers. I don't know. He's like, you've come back. I don't, that was weird. But he stabs him. But the fact that they get like posed together as their like photo their engagement photo or whatever there while ann murray is on the turntable i'm like michael myers has got a twisted sense of humor to break out the ann murray records holy cow 
Oh yeah, that was a uh, that was a nice touch. I will say that for sure. I both Holly and I are like, wow, when that came up, we were just like that is um, but, that is someone who likes to play with his dinner. But it but it harkens back to an original thing about Michael Myers in that first movie when Laurie finds all of her dead friends. They're all set up like a trap, like a trick. Yeah. He plays tricks. He then and when he's stabbing the guy through the table so many times, it's. That's just what he does. He's making Halloween well, decorations. He was, he was going through all of the knives and the, <laughs> well, he kept looking at the, the one he wanted. Yeah. He's like, this I, one sucks, and so does this one. Ooh, this is like the Guy Fieri special. Okay, I'm gonna take that yeah. one. Like you lay over there and bleed. And I mean, really, like, but it, it it's what he does, and I appreciated that they worked that in there. Still, that yeah. they're, they're still keeping that because it's it's going back to what again that they just are harping on in this movie. Besides, evil dies tonight. Is that Michael is in that same mode? He's that he's been in that same place for all these years, and he's he's just there. He just perpetually stays in that place that he's been in for fifty something years, and you don't know why he's there. You don't know how he's there. You just know he's there, and it's gruesome. I mean, it really is. I think the most fascinating thing I, I found about this is that someone was living in his house, like, and they knew it was his house. They knew exactly what room they knew all of that, all the information. And yet they've, they've turned that horror of a house into something livable and nice. Yeah, and, finally, somebody fixed up know, that house. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. And um, I thought that was really a neat touch. And I really enjoyed how they had him come in. Um, you know, knocking on the back door, then going to the front door and then realizing he's come in through the back door. I thought that was well done. The scene was well done. The the, the fear in the two uh, men's eyes was well done and how they portrayed it. And um, yeah, they did a great job with that whole part. It truly is the scariest part of the movie. This movie's not Absolutely. overly scary, but that's the scariest part of it. That it, next to the 78 flashback piece where he just comes out of nowhere at that cop, um, which you know is coming, but you don't know. And they hit you with yeah. that sting. Same, same thing here. I was like, yeah, that was ge- legitimately creepy. It was Michael being a creep again. And I, I liked it. I mean, you know, he's been a friggin' bulldozer for most of the movies. So for him to go <laughs> yeah. subtle all of a sudden is like, oh, I didn't know you had that move set still. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going back to the, the classics. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, I don't know. It, again, good, good scene, great setups for all of it. And it is, again, he's going back to his home, right? You know, that's the whole thing that they're going with. And we've had the mobs split up. We, we got to talk about Lonnie Elam, uh, Cameron's dad. Boy, he's a real winner. Um, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you, um, this is the little kid that Loomis tells you know, get away from the house. And we see more of his story in the flashback too, that like he, you know, he gets bullied by some other kids and he trips and Michael walks right by him, you know, when he's mm-hmm. on his killing spree and he, so he, he's traumatized from it just the same. And I, I don't know. I kind of like the fact that he he's the kind of guy that just hides extra guns in his fishing tackle, you know. Right. My favorite line, though, uh, are all these registered? Some of them. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, <laughs> some of them are. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's it's a funny stereotype. It's it's you know, and he's got these you know all this stuff, and we got to talk about it too. Like the, that's one of the the cooler kill scenes is because uh, unlike unlike most most folks in horror movies who are dumb and don't arm themselves, this whole town arms itself. And at one point you got Marion Chambers armed up. You've got um, 
Lindsay Wallace armed up and you've got the, the doctor nurse couple and the doctor, of course, or the nurse, the guy has no idea what to do with the gun. So his wife's like, I, I got this, you know, I got the desert Eagle out. And while Michael is slaughtering everybody in the car, um, it, to kill her as she is also a lousy shot, which I'll, I'll say this though, as somebody who shot handguns, movie handgun shooting is never realistic. It is really hard to hit something with a handgun if you don't know how to do it. Like if you practice all the time. So she's just blowing rounds off. And the fact that Michael kicks the door so that she shoots herself, total Jason uh, kill. But I was like, I, I mean, that was kind of cool. I mean, you got to admit that was funny. I thought it was funny. I thought it was very unrealistic. Like, could someone actually do that and actually have the gun turn while they're shooting and right. kill them? I'm not sure. That was one of the one of the kills that I was kind of like, eh, it just doesn't seem right. I didn't Pro- prob- probably not. Uh, I I wish MythBusters was still around. <laughs> I could get them to try it, but uh, no. I mean, <laughs> no, it, get them no, to try it. <laughs> no, no. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, you with know, a mannequin. This one, how they would do it. But you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, rest in peace grand Imanara, but yeah i mean they they uh they they lean into the funny with that because it's also the part where you see like the the way that gets set up is Lindsay runs to these kids the the kids that have ripped off the candy from the, the big john and little john house and they're going like yeah we're been playing peekaboo with this guy in this white mask like holy cow i'm not five like what's your deal and we see michael standing in the distance like there he's over there and what you see is he's holding one of the masks and it's just dripping blood and what you yeah. realize is he cut the head off of one of their friends right michael killing a kid it was something we had never seen until the last movie, he killed the kid in the bus crash thing, and now he's done it again. And I, I, I originally thought because in the trailer there's the merry-go-round with the people wearing the masks, and I thought, oh, he's going to kill children in this movie, and he ends up killing adults and putting the masks on them. But still, that's a pretty gruesome scene, and it's it's Absolutely. one of the freakier bits. I kind of like the fact that Lindsay got away and survived. It's pretty cool. I was waiting for him to find her the whole time, right? Because she's hidden under, you know, on the bank of the the river there and he can't see her i thought he was gonna find her and the fact that he didn't was kind of neat that was kind of neat that she was able to escape and crawl her way back out and and get rescued kind of <laughs> yeah but I, I, she, I mean she makes it to the hospital and then we never see yeah. her again so you assume right. she'll be in the next one i don't know so we'll see i guess but i enjoyed that too i thought that was kind of neat and they, they played with it like he was gonna find her and they never did so it's another one of those creepy moments. I mean, it's not exactly scary, but it's like he, you're waiting for him to like turn around and her to go and then to stand up when he's right there, you know, right? But they don't do it. They they play it off where he just keeps walking on. Exactly. But that that leads us to, you know, Lonnie and Cameron have have obviously caught up. Allison has caught up. Cameron meets up with Allison at the hospital and radicalizes her, I guess is the way you say it. So she leaves a Hallmark card for her mother. It's very weird. Um, seeing, I was like, I love you, I love dad, but an evil dies tonight. I was like, nobody writes that in a card. I don't care. What, you know, I was like, man, now, now we're just only my mom car. would understand, right? Right? Like it's so, it's just so <laughs> random. Well, and the fact that she like leaves her grandmother's bloody sweater laying next to her, like this is here for when you wake up. Like, why would she? It, wasn't, want it was that? the knife inside of it. <laughs> yeah, like why right. the police would have confiscated that at that point? Like, holy. Cow. 
Yeah, yeah that wouldn't have made it into the hospital, right? Yeah, the nurses would be like, no, you cannot have the sharp object. No, <laughs> like, that's not what we allow here. Uh, but I'm um, again, they let the whole mob hang out. So that hospital security blows. I mean, look at the old man running it. Holy cow. Hey, even, the, even the whole police department of the fir- the next three towns can't hold these people out of that hospital. Right. That's what they said. Like, I was like, man, you guys are really ineffective, which again, I think is supposed to be some sort of commentary about if that is it's a lazy one and it doesn't work but <laughs> but it, it, it's all to lead us up to this point is that allison goes with cameron and his dad and they're hunting this evil devil because she gets a shotgun so she's gonna be friggin ellen ripley now or whatever and i'm yeah, like she's a badass in this yeah. right yeah right well you know for the eight minutes she's on screen andy matichek finally had something to do uh because they bless her they don't give her nothing to do in this movie i'm like please let right. you be a part i guess you're gonna be part of the next one based on how it ends i would assume so but I mean, she's not there. Honestly, I thought she was going to die. Like, I, I thought the whole point of this was everybody's getting killed except Laurie and maybe old man Hawkins, you know, because Will Patton's kind of awesome. But everybody else, it was dead. I, I knew the minute they, they said, oh, Tommy Doyle's going to be a character in this. I'm like, oh, he's going down. Like, there's no way you bring oh, somebody yeah. back like that. <laughs> to survive. And then you cast Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, yeah, he's dead. Like, he's me. You just wait for it to happen. <laughs> but But we lead up to this end where – Lonnie and Cameron and Allison are at the the house, and again, nobody listens to the woman. It's like they don't listen to Ripley and Alien either. We go in together. No, we're gonna split up. <laughs> That's a bad idea. And then it goes exactly like you think it would. Like it's it's it always take long. Idea. Exactly, you don't split up. Everyone does this. Everyone does. Uh, probably one of the most overkill, gruesome deaths in here would happen to belong to Cameron. I mean, yeah, damn. How rude. And then, of course, to add insult to injury, he snaps his neck around uh, at the I, end right in front I, of his ex. I, I take all of this. Well, first off, like there's when he finally, you know, get when they both get in there and and Allison finds the bodies of Big John and Little John. And she pulls the knife out of one of them. I'm like, what are you doing, girl? Like, ugh. but anyway, whatever. She arms herself up. Cameron and her having that fight reminded me very much of the fight in Halloween four in front of the big bay window. I just kept waiting for the <laughs> shotgun to like be useless. And it was in, in this movie too, but I, I like how he throws Allison down the stairs and she like her leg, like she tears an ACL or something, man. She's down for six to eight. Like she's not coming back this season, but she's down. And <laughs> I thought the Cameron kill though, Brian is an example of internet mom mentality because on the internet, people hated that character so bad last time. And for a good reason, he was a total asshole. And the fact that he survived that movie (laughs) pissed a lot of people off. So apparently they said, well, we're going to make sure his death is extra crunchy. And oh, it oh was gosh, <laughs> yes, he beat him pillar to post. It was hard, literally. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's like, man, they, they must have told the actor, like, he's like, I'm coming back. Yeah, well, it's gonna be horrible though. Okay, well, I'll take it. Because you know? yeah, <laughs> he, why not? I mean, he just, he's, I mean, at the, by the time he does turn his head completely around on him, he's completely wrecked him. Like, that boy's never gonna move again. You know, but he's still less. alive. He's, he's <laughs> barely breathing. He's still alive. Yeah. And he's like sitting there like, Ugh. yeah, because I mean, he sticks his head through the stairs, which you say, and he just up and down, up and down, he's just <laughs> beating him to death. And it's like, what? And it's almost like Michael, like how he knows those two are together. It's like, I saw what he did to you at the dance. That iPhone's expensive. Yeah. You know I mean? I'll get him for you. No problem. <laughs> I know you so. didn't have the warranty, Allison. <laughs> so, so, you know. So switch to uh, mint mobile. 
you know, or whatever. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, he really does overkills. But I, I love the scene where she, she's going toe to toe with him because she stabs him several times, and he's, you know, she's coming at that knife with him, and he's turning it around on her like, oh, it's over. And I love how she's like, just do it, just go for it. And I'm like, Hulk up and badass girl. Yes, I like it. And then when she looks over his shoulder, you realize she knows something we don't. Yep. And that's that mom is there with the pitchfork from you know the the mannequins on the on the porch, and I'm like, first off, we used a real pitchfork, Big John and Little John. That's scary. And he's, I mean, she guts him with that thing, dude. That yeah. was intense. That was pretty wild. Uh, you know, a good scene. And then not only does she gut him, she takes his mask off. Yeah, when she kicks his head on the stairs, she curb stomps yep. him. Then she yep. grabs his mask and he sits up, and it's like. Uh oh, and she dares him to come after her, and we get to see what it looks like, almost like from over the shoulder instead of point of view. Michael, we don't get any point of view yeah. in this movie. No, it's what it looks like to watch him stalk somebody, and it uh, that was that was a creepy, well done scene, and only to come up on the awaiting mob two streets over. Well, and I like the whole idea of that she's got the mask off, and they're teasing that they might show you what his face is the whole time and but they've kept it dark enough where you can't see it and uh you know she brings him out and the whole town now sees who he is which is interesting and but they leave the mask there and he puts the mask back on and then well let's just say the town doesn't survive very long well well you know but they get their moment first and they do get oh, they yeah. do get a good shot of his face and what i love is that it looks like you think he would look he's an old man who's been in a fire who's been beat to hell and shot in the face earlier tonight he looks like shit, <laughs> you know? but he yeah. puts, he puts the mask on and it's almost like, he's like, he looks to his left and his right. And you, you got Tommy doing, I don't know what Anthony Michael Hall, like what, what baseball warm up he saw with that bat. But I was like, I was at some John Crook Cause that's kind of what he looked like out there. And every, you know, you got, and you got all these other random people that I'm like, I don't know. You got bracket over there going like, it's time for one good scare. Cause evil dies tonight. And you know, everybody's going down for that. And Michael puts the mask on almost like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> it's like a gauntlet match all of a sudden. And they beat the ever loving hell out of him, man. Like they, I mean, yeah. one dude shoots him a bunch. He gets beat down. And then Karen stabs him with a, with a knife on the ground as he's like trying to finger it. Cause I, I bet they regret the fact that they blew off two of his fingers in that last movie. Cause they kind of have to work around the fact that he's got half a hand anymore. Yeah. And that like, is no big deal, but there's that one shot where he clearly like can't grip anything anymore. And she's before she stabs him and, and the fact that she walks away from it, though, befuddles me. Because you've got to that point. Why would you leave? I think she thought he was dead. And, and rightly so. I mean, <laughs> what they did to him would kill any man, right? Well, yeah, any and that's, that is all intercut with Laurie talking to Hawkins about, like, he should be dead. And, but the yeah. more he kills, the more he transcends. And I was like the fuck are you talking about it we got the court of thorn behind this again now like now we we crossed a border somewhere in this movie and i'm like did i miss a line and i saw this movie twice so no i didn't there is no line that explains how we've gone from there to here we've basically gone from uh, a, a tortured human soul who likes to kill people to an a being that is greater than humanity right right um I don't know if you've seen uh, the movie split. Yes. How the multiple yeah. personalities and he's got one that's a beast and it yeah. gives him extra powers. Mm-hmm. Great movie. By the way. Kinda, 
a very good movie. That's kind of like where they're going now with Michael Myers. This mask and persona and everything else gives him these extra human powers, and they have to figure out now how to defeat it. Because obviously shooting him doesn't work. Nope. Setting him on fire doesn't work. Stabbing uh, him. Stabbing him doesn't work. Crushing his skull mm-hmm. against things doesn't work. To be fair about the fire works. thing, though, he did have a great way of hiding from the fires. Like, I'm just going to get in the gun safe because that looks pretty. I mean, it's going to be hot, but it's pretty good until the fireman shows up. Like, that was a pretty yeah, good idea. Right. I'm like, well, true. Yeah, good good idea, Michael. But but you're right because she thinks he's dead and Tommy's like, we got this, you know, and she's like, all right. And so she goes back to tend to her daughter and the EMTs and they got the neighbors with coffee and everybody around as, as one would hope happens after something like that happens on your street and the mob is is ready to like okay we're going in for the ultra kill shot and i mean he turns into michael myers becomes a ninja in this movie and i've seen good ninja movies and i'm like man we we just we veered right into crazy town with this like the, the way he takes everybody in that crowd out we're cutting achilles we're cutting throats we're stabbing people through the arm and making them shoot somebody else and then we're going to grab tommy's bat and beat the hell out of him with it i mean it was mm-hmm. it, it was again it was gruesome it was rob zombie hold my beer time because evil yeah, wasn't going to die. And it was the second time we got that. Right? The firefighter scene was the first time. And this was a, a firefighter scene on a grander scale. Um, but uh, he got up and took care of business. And then, of course, we go into the house where, for some god awful reason, Karen decides that she needs what? to go into Michael's sister's yeah. bedroom and, and relive this moment. Yeah. Okay. So, so let me set this up again. Okay. She's sitting on the porch of yet again another active crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> as people are tending to her daughter getting ready to take her away and you think she would go with her daughter into the ambulance after everything this woman has been through the last 48 hours all right you, she would do that <clears throat> but she looks up and in the window she sees this ghostly visage of the young michael myers and it's just for a couple seconds but it's the was kid it the in the young michael myers or was it the it's the kid Sister. in the clown. It's the kid in the clown costume. Okay, that's right. it. And, the, and I caught it the second time because I was like, "What?" Because it, it, it just kind of blows by. But it's the ruffled thing and the little red feathered hair that yep. the kid had. You know, the seventies hair. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So she's uh, now we are really in Friday the Thirteenth territory where we're seeing like you know baby Jason in the sewers here or something. This is weird. And she goes upstairs and she does this like she stands in front of the window and she does this deep breath. And I'm like, I. I'm going to need somebody to explain to me why that spot is like the spot of evil in Illinois, because he just appears out of nowhere and hacks her to death, like psycho mm-hmm. style. Um, and I was like, I don't, I, I know what they were trying to get to. They wanted to leave us on a big cliffhanger and we're going to kill one of the big characters. You thought it was going to be the three, but there's only two left now. And I'm like, well, how the way Laurie is setting it up when she's talking before this happens is that, you know, it could be a year from now. It could be next week. It could, you know, it could be whatever, but somehow he'll always come back, you know? And I, I don't know. I, again, this movie became a really different movie all of a sudden here at the end. And I'm, I'm not sure what happened. Well, to me, it's all setting up the next film, right? The next arc that we're going to, but they did it so fast. And I think that they could have taken some of that middle out 
uh, with the hospital scenes and really helped build this to what's going to happen next slower, a little better. But they kind of, you know, had to get all the kill scenes in and had to get all of that stuff in. And now it was time to wrap it up and get you ready for the next piece and kind of give you an idea of where we're going. But it did. It happened way, way fast. And it was just like, okay. Um, I was kind of disappointed that we had Karen die. I thought it would have been much better had we had all three of the Strode family girls be part of that last film. But we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, Maybe I really she survives. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I really wanted the three of them to do to him what the guys do in office space to the copier, the, the printer. Yeah, <laughs> like I really thought that's where this, this series was going to end. Maybe not. It feels good to be a gangster as the soundtrack, though. That would be Danny McBride's kind of humor. But I, I, you know, I thought that's where we were going eventually with this. But and there's some talk now that like, oh, we had a different ending, but this is what we changed it to and but it's been this way since 2019 like david gordon green talks about how like when we finished this movie in 2019 i haven't touched it since but we made some changes to it when we were making it that we didn't initially think about and the alternate ending will be on the blu-ray and i'm like what what's it going to be like what she survives they go they go to breakfast well, they, the next morning like what i don't know what they because <laughs> he said we're, we now know what we're setting up to which I'm going to call um, the ever holy bullshit. Um, they don't. They don't have the script done. Like, they, and they're bringing in other people to write the next one. I'm like, they don't know. Like, they they know. I think they know where they want to end. Like, ultimately, how to get there. They haven't. They're George R. R. Martin. They haven't written the book yet. Like, they don't know. Like, they they're gonna have to figure the, themselves out. And I think you're right. They needed to set up something, and they figure let's just go with ethereal, weird, and shocking. But it doesn't really fit the rest of this movie, nor the one before it. So I, I don't know how we got here. Like, I'm yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see where they take it from here. I just, they had to set him up as a more than human character because of all the punishment that he took in this film and all the things that should have killed him that didn't. That basically seemed to have zero effect on him other than uh, kind of put him down for a little bit until he like regains his composure to get up and kill everybody. <laughs> it's, very, but, it's very, it's very much like watching the bulk of the undertaker's WWE career. The amount of go. punishment the dude would take only to do that straight sit up thing. And then, <laughs> you know, his, his you. Yeah. whichever version of the finishers he was doing that year. Right. And, and look, I was entertained by that. I was down for that. That was a cool character that, you mark calloway played for decades now at this point right but i i knew but i knew what i that was coming because i knew the arena i was in i didn't expect to get it in a halloween movie that's supposed to quote reset the brand a little bit i'm like "Mm, i don't know i we we definitely veered into a different place in the last 10 minutes of this film that i didn't think we were in um and I don't know. I, I'm I'm with you though. I am I am infinitely curious as to how in the world do you pick up from there? Uh, because unlike a lot of other part twos that leave you somewhere and you're like, okay, well, I mean, Back to the Future too. We know exactly where we're going. Marty's screaming right. about going back to the old west. Like we know that's happening. We um, <clears throat> Empire Strikes Back. We Luke's got a new hand. We're going to go fight evil one more time. Like we we know we know where we're going, right? Um, this one, I have no idea, Brian, <laughs> but well, we're going to a face-off between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. We know, we know think. that yeah. they set that up at the end with them both looking out the two, the windows at 
whatever. Yeah. That's where we're going. How we get there will be interesting. I want to know, are they going to, is, is Karen going to survive or is she mm-hmm. actually dead, dead? Right. Right. Uh, without Hawkins was dead and he wasn't. So nope. And I, I oh man, it just seems weird that they'd kill off the child of Laurie Strode, but the grandchild's badass and again survives. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it, I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. But uh, well, you know, we'll. I, I suppose we'll be back in a year to answer this question to see how it goes. Or but two, first, <laughs> yeah. Well, they they say. I mean, the the plan is now they're going to start shooting this in January here in Wilmington, and by all accounts, things should be able for them to do it. Um, and you know, they they'll get it done, and then you know, do they simul release it again? I mean, I'm I'm certain they hope that they can just go full theater, full theater, by, yeah, by next October. But if this works, they may go, they may do it. I don't know, you know, who who knows? Because again, NBC Universal is involved in this, and Peacock's their thing, and it's huge. So we'll see. Yeah, it all depends but, on how much money they throw at it. Indeed, indeed, we, we will see. Well, I mean, it's Blumhouse; they're only putting probably about ten to twelve. No, I in, mean NBC yeah. throws at Blumhouse. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, that's yeah. that's the other thing that I, I'm curious if we'll ever find out how much they paid off of this, what they decided, to do, how they did it, because you know they they had to at some point. Absolutely, the actors' deals are most of them are the way Blumhouse does stuff. They are built off of the the box office take, and that can yeah. include the home take too at some point. So. We'll see. We'll get there. But I think we've got to wrap this one up, Brian, with final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for Halloween Kills? So I I sat there. Like I said, I went into this blind. uh, No thriller or no spoilers, no uh, trailers, no nothing. I just, okay, this is what it's going to be. We're going to go watch the next Halloween. Sat down with the wife, and we watched the whole thing, and we enjoyed the hell out of it. We went with it, and it was fun, and it was gruesome. It was entertaining. Uh, there were some parts, yes, that could have been left on the cutting room floor. But I think you can find that with most movies. In the end, I was entertained by this movie. I thought it was good. I'm going to give it a large popcorn. I think it's worth watching. And if you like Halloween movies, I think you you do yourself a favor and watch it. That's an upgrade from last time you gave the last one a, a strong medium. But uh, this one's all the way to large. So very cool. Um for me, man, I I walked out of this and I tried to think like, okay, what is this movie reminding me of? You know, when I when I laid back down early Friday morning to go back to sleep, I'm going, what is this movie exactly? And I I I said I'll worry about that tomorrow. And I, so I didn't think about it again. And I had a busy day at work Friday, so I didn't even think about it the whole day. And I got home and we sit down to watch it. And about halfway through it, it hit me that. This movie is is two other part twos that I've talked about on Filmstrip. One with you, one with Nick. This movie is Back to the Future Part Two, and it's Alien Covenant. Um, and it's a lot of Alien Covenant because it's a new trilogy building off of you know established property, whatever, and Danny McBride's involved. Um, but it also leans into and much like Back to the Future Two was a bigger cast it was crazy town and somewhere in the middle of it it goes in a real dark ugly weird place that i didn't expect (laughs) but it gets us back out of it and if you just pay attention to the fun parts you can kind of go for it but much like back to the future part two i always argued like how much does that stand on its own you know as a movie and it really can only exist because there's a predecessor to it that last movie is a great second chapter to the first 
you know, Halloween. And I'm saying that as somebody who the first time I saw it hated it, you know, so I've really come around on you know Halloween 2018. I think it's smart. I think it's good. And I, I think it's a, a good new direction to go in. This is just like a roller coaster ride version of that. And then it wants to try to say things. And I don't think they really get the message right. And I'll tell you right now, this is an hour and 45 minute movie. It's really an hour and 40 minutes and buried in it is an hour and 20 minute, good tight movie an H2O length movie. They, they really could trim it up and fix it. And most of it's the middle act. that just doesn't work for me because it's all over the damn place, you know, but when they get into that third act, and even when it goes to, like I said, to supernatural crazy town that I did not expect we were going to be doing that this time, but we're here again. I went with it. I, I found myself both times just going, you know what? I, I could sit here and overthink this and, you know, compare it to this, that, and the other. But, you know, the truth is I have those other movies in the Halloween series. I can watch them anytime I want. I, you know, I, I recently was having to bang out a big report one night. I put on Halloween four and five in the background because they're perfect for that kind of thing. They're infinitely rewatchable in that way. This one, I, you know, time will tell how rewatchable it is, but you know what? It's a whole lot less dour than the last one, which I felt kind of drug it down a little bit. And it's just fun. I mean, it's a movie that's built to be a big, cheap thrill. And on that level, it works, you know, and I know the Internet is really divided over this or whatever. And I don't understand why, because, folks, it's just a freaking movie. I mean, it really is. And I know it can be more. I get that. I'm a big Halloween fan, too. This movie's just fun. And at the end of it, the parts I didn't like that I didn't go with. Yeah, I consider and complain about it all day. But eh, when it ramps up, the, the way this movie starts is it's out of the cannon like a shot. And the fact that it drips a little bit, eh, you know, I can get up and run the vacuum for 20 minutes if I need to or whatever, and then come back and, <laughs> and I'm there. And the third act of this is satisfying, even if it is really weird. And I'm curious what the alternate ending is. I'm sure it'll be, you know, interneted to death by the time we talk about the next movie. Uh, but I'm 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 left exactly where you want to leave me at the end of a, a second chapter. All right. I got to see the third. You know, I got to see Back to the Future Part 3. And if they ever make whatever the third Alien Ridley Scott new trilogy is, I want to see it because Covenant is a is a dumb movie when you start like really picking it apart. But if you just go with the action parts of it, it's a lot of friggin' fun. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun movie. This one's the same way. I feel the same way about it. And I, I, I think the highest compliment I can pay it is that it leaves me I have to know how they finish it. I got it. I got to know. And so it's a large popcorn for me too. Uh, and I'm surprised as anybody that I came to that, but I realized that Friday watching it, that I was like, I'm going to give this a large popcorn. I know I am because it's just fun. It, it, and it leaves me wanting more, which is what its job was. Right. So we'll Absolutely. see what happens next October. Uh, let's hope next October. Goodness gracious. Don't put us off again, COVID. Come on. Uh, lighten <laughs> right. up for, for a lot of other reasons. But, you know, this one in particular. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see where they, they leave us on this. Um, because this will be it. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is 62 or so now. And that's not the end of your life by any means. But it's probably the end of what she wants to do with this. And she said oh, that yeah. a lot of times in her life. But I'm pretty sure this time she's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing this when I'm 80. Like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> so this is going to be the end for her. And I'm, I'm curious how they decide to wrap that story up. I am too. Um, I have things that I'd like to see done on it. But I am curious to see what they're going to end up doing with it because 
it's been a long ride and it's going to be fun to see it come to a conclusion, I guess you could say. And I am definitely looking forward to finding out who stands tall at the end. Yeah. I, I mean, like I say, I gave you what I thought my ending would be. It would be the office space ending. What would be your dream ending of how they wrap this up? I would have Laurie Strode die. Yeah. And I'd have Michael Myers win. And, oh, wow. Dark. And I would. And yeah. I would have him finish his quest, mm-hmm. lay down his mask, and go in peace. Just walk off into the into the, the moonlight. That would be that would be a very creepy ending. I I would mm-hmm. give it a lot of credit for having the boldness to try something like that because that rarely ever happens in one of these. But we'll see. As far as the, the end, it'll never be the end of the Halloween movies. You see the money <laughs> these things make. Oh yeah, they will no. always they will always come up with another way. But what I think they will have done for themselves, which this series was never able to do up until now is they will have freed themselves from, we have to follow this family bloodline thing because they wiped that away in the last one. And it's wisely. So, so if they just want to make another Michael Myers movie someday, they, they can do it. And there are a couple of books out there on Amazon. I want to recommend they're called taking shape, by the way, the first one's really about the first movie and maybe the second one, but the second version of that book is all of like these rando pitches that the Akkad's got through the years. It's hilarious, Brian. It's totally worth a read. I highly recommend those books. I'll have to check that out. I think, you know, what they should do after this is, is drop the Michael Myers character and start with someone new. Oh, you mean try to try to do what they were doing in Halloween three, but do it right. In other words, well, not go stupid like (laughs) Halloween three. I'm talking about like, you know, just build another story that builds another character of another evil guy that follows the Halloween tropes. Right. Yeah, Halloween, Halloween right. as the true anthology that it was that it was designed to be by Carpenter and Hill, and they just picked the most worst idea to do it with. As much as I like <laughs> Halloween three for the fun and goofiness, it is that was not the movie to start that idea with. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though now it is, it has definitely found its audience now. But uh, you know, much like everybody else, I'm sure they're like, yeah, well, where were we all in 1982 when we made that crap? Because that would have been great. But it's uh, it's funny how they uh, how they make that stuff work, man. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, Halloween ends is what it's supposed to be called. And yep. I, all I said to that was the same thing. The dude says at the beginning of H2O, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, like, I know what kind of money this makes, dude. So it's not going to be the end, but it was certainly fun getting to the end of this one with you talking about Halloween kills here. As we wrap up this third chapter of our Shocktober, we've had a fun Shocktober this uh, year, Brian, we had, uh, Corey McCullough on to talk starry eyes with us. I had Mike from amateur archers talking hereditary with me last week. And next week, Ron's got Mike from Atkins undisputed on to talk about a movie called the guest, which borrows a lot from mm, some of the mythos of Halloween. I would say it's not a serial killer movie in the same slasher bent, uh, but it's definitely a neat one. If you haven't seen it um, and uh, folks out there, you know, I know it has an audience uh, can look forward to that review as well coming up next week. Folks, you can always find all of our stuff at filmstrippodcast.com. That'll take you directly to our anchor distribution site where you can find all of the places you can find this podcast. Follow us on social media at filmstrippod on Twitter and Instagram or search for us on Facebook, filmstrippodcast. You can find us there. Retweet us. Leave us a positive review. We appreciate the support. Until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. 
You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.